Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Fitter and Faster. My name is Emma Kate Lidberry, your host and managing editor here at Triathlete Magazine. On today's show, I'm joined by Selene Yeager, a woman with an incredible background in endurance sports. She's been a pro cyclist, an Ironman athlete, a cycling coach, and a personal trainer. But perhaps most notably, she has been a writer, researcher, and author in the endurance space for more than 25 years. But it's only in the past few years that she started to research, write, and podcast about the menopause and its impact on athletic women that she says she's really found her life calling. She is the host of the podcast Hit Play, Not Pause, and our chat today together dives into all aspects of menopause and how it can affect training and performance. And for you fellas who are listening, don't switch off, don't leave us. There's a lot of information in here that you might not know that you will find extremely valuable. And of course, for our pre-menopausal women, post-menopausal women, and everybody in between, there's plenty here that will resonate with you and help you on your journey forwards. I definitely learned a lot, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you all. All of that after a quick word from our sponsors. Need a last-minute holiday gift idea? Active Pass is the perfect gift for any triathlete on your shopping list. And the best part is there's no shipping involved. You schedule when you want us to send the email to the gift recipient, and it's loaded with members-only benefits like 1,000-plus training plans, event access, exclusive content, magazines, books, meal plans, healthy recipes, and more. Active Pass truly is the gift they'll use year-round. We have a special offer for listeners of the Fitter and Faster show. Save 20% on Active Pass gifts now during our last chance holiday gift sales. Visit triathlete.com forward slash active pass. That's triathlete.com forward slash active pass and save 20% on Active Pass memberships. Your friends and family will thank you. Offer expires December 24th. Okay, do you want to kick us off by uh, giving us a little bit of an introduction about who you are and uh, what you do and how you've, how you've landed here? Because it's a, a very fascinating backstory I think you have. Wow, how I landed here being where I am with the, where, how I landed talking to you. <laughs> well, yeah, give us a, I mean, you were just telling me a little bit about your, uh, your background and how you got into triathlon. Um, I mean, I know oh. you've got a great, you've had a great career and you still ride a lot and you're mm-hmm. obviously an established writer in the, in the cycling scene. Um, but tell right. me a little bit about how you, you know, how you got into tri- how you, how you discovered triathlon. And I know you've, you've raced in Kona. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always about how they landed in Kona are always good. It, that it, it was a pretty funny story. Well, you know, I, I was and still do right for bicycling. And, you know, there was a time where triathlon started really taking off, you know, it was probably in the late nineties, I want to say, you know, it seemed like everybody around me was getting involved in triathlon at that time. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, you should try it. I was like, oh, I don't know. The swim thing was a little intimidating because I could not drown, but I wasn't much of an actual swimmer. And then I went to some women's cycling summit, and I can't remember her last name. It was Colleen. She's she's a very well-known uh, Ironman triathlete. Okay. She did She did a presentation, and I went up to speak to her afterwards, and she was like, Oh, with shoulders like that, you could totally swim. Like she was so, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to try. So I, I did some triathlete, just like the sprint level and an Olympic, and I loved it. Like I thought it was super fun. Yeah. And I was mountain bike racing a lot at the time. So I wanted something that was less pressure, mm-hmm. you know, just something that was totally just me just doing it to have some fun. Yeah. So I had done some of those. I was an off-road racer. So I got into Xterra when that got hot. I made it to Tahoe. I did some nationals in Tahoe and that was really exciting. And, uh, 
then I ended up doing Eagle Man in Maryland, and that was a, a half, you know, Iron Man. And I was like, oh, you know, it, it's it's kind of like when you do your first half marathon and you're like, really, twice that distance? You know, like thinking that you're going to actually do a marathon. It was sort of, sort of the same thing. Like in my head, I had always thought maybe someday Iron Man. And then I did that half and I was like, wow, like doubling that. But as I was talking to you a little bit before we, we got on air, uh, I subscribed to Triathlete Magazine. And there was a story in there that said 16 weeks to Iron Man. And I'll never forget, my husband was outside in the yard washing bikes. And I opened the window and I was like, I think I'm going to do an Iron Man. He's like, what? I'm like, <laughs> I know. Like, there's this article and it's totally something that I would write. Like, I've written a hundred of those articles, right, yeah. for bicycling. And I was like, it's 16 weeks. There's a training plan. And like, that's doable. And then there's this one in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And it's very similar terrain to where I live in Pennsylvania. And it sounded like a great idea. And he's like, oh, okay. You know, he's kind of used to me doing these things on whims. And I started looking at the swim workouts and I realized I had no idea what what I was supposed to do. Like it was all this like numbers and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what any of that means. So I I had a friend who was a swim coach. And I thought that's probably a really good idea anyway, because in the ones that I had been doing, I was always the last out of the water. Like, very, you know, all the bikes are gone. Yeah. <laughs> I easy to find mine. I would get on my bike and like just try to pass everybody on the bike and then hold my own on the run. And she's like, well, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, so like she was she was great. She I have to tell you, Kate, she took 45 minutes off my swim time like Whoa. that's. <laughs> that's how that's how bad I just was like I was a I like I told you before I was not drowning but I would get out completely exhausted and like once I learned how to swim I was like this is amazing like that's all I wanted to do because I felt so great out of the water I felt like I just warmed up but anyway she's like my husband is an Ironman coach you should hire him I was like sure why not and then I sent him like all like sort of my race results and my testing stuff. I had been at the Olympic Training Center for like a story, right? So I had like all these metrics. And he called me right back. He's like, you know, you could qualify for Kona. And I was like, I don't want to hear that. Like, that's ah. not like that is not what I had in mind when I got, you know, yeah, when I started. That's this. not your 16 weeks to Ironman. That's 16 weeks was no longer 16 weeks. It no. became eight to nine months. Yeah. Uh, but it was a, it was an, I call it the year I did everything right. I followed that training plan. I didn't not miss one single workout. Hmm. Like I was amazingly just like somehow in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to Kona. I'm very like, goal oriented. So I was like, okay, this is what you do. And I did all these races and I did very well. And I got to Louisville and I won my division and I went to Kona six weeks later. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. So you've seen Crazy. you've seen triathlon inside and out, upside and down. You've seen it always. Yes. Yep. I like it. Yeah. But you're and you're saying you're, you've moved more now into gravel mountain bike. Or you've always been a mountain bike racer, but you moved more now into the gravel scene. Yeah, I mean, well, for for the years that followed, I was hardcore mountain bike racer. Like after that, because um, that's always been sort of my first love. So you know, I, I got picked up by a team, a semi professional team, and just had the privilege of like racing with Rebecca Rush. We went to the Brazil ride. I did Cape Epic in South Africa. We went to Israel, went to Cuba, oh, sort of wow. all over the world doing mountain bike stage racing for you know the next five or six years, which was amazing. Yeah. And uh, then gravel started blowing up. So I did uh, Dirty Kanza, which is now the Unbound Gravel, yes. uh, 
several years back and I got on the podium there and I'm like, I'm never doing that again, but <laughs> I got the bug to sort of explore, you know, the whole gravel scene. So I like to do different things. I do like to uh, just explore because I get a little burned out if I do this, do the, the repetition gets. Yeah. Yeah. That can definitely happen with Iron Man for sure. As for I'm, sure. As I'm sure you experienced or you, you, yeah. you felt. Yeah. Well, there's those two months where you're just like, Oh my Lord. You know, I mean, if you, if you're training correctly, it's a full-time, yeah, beyond a full-time job. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so what, what led you, you're, you're obviously um, written and researched and focused more recently on the, the aging athlete and specifically the female aging athlete. And what led you, talk to us a little bit about what led you into into that. And, uh, you know, I consider <laughs> you and, you know, Stacey have writing, you know, writing a book together. You're definitely, mm-hmm. um, there's a ton, I feel like there's so, so much information um, out there that's just not particularly accessible. So, I mean, maybe yeah. I've answered the question for you a little bit there, but but yeah, I'll let you talk. But what led you down? Well, it's completely self-serving, you know, because I'm 51. And, um, you know, like I said, I was kind of came into it late. Like I didn't do Ironman until I was 39. Mm-hmm. And then Rebecca and I are the same age and we were racing all those stage races well into our 40s. And it wasn't until other people sort of started reflecting back to me, like, oh, my God, you're how old? And I was like, oh, I guess I I guess I'm that age. I, I Like, I never even really thought about it. And I will confess that there's part of me that was like, well, maybe this whole perimenopause, menopause thing won't be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And somewhere around 48, it, it became very clear to me that uh, it was a big deal. <laughs> you know, like the the wake, the sleep disruption the all of a sudden and I know it doesn't happen overnight but it really does feel like that and women would say that to me you know I worked as a trainer and I was a writer all my life and you would I would hear women say that they felt like they woke up one day and their bodies were different I'd be like yeah whatever and I felt the exact same thing like I was like where did that belly come from and where are my muscles going and why do I I feel heavy and sluggish on my bike And it's really disconcerting, like, you know, especially when you've been in the athletic space for so long and you, you just know how your body performs, you know, how it recovers. I always recovered super well. I was a stage racer. Yeah. And, um, it was, it was very upsetting, like (laughs) on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a researcher. I write these books, right? I wrote this book with Stacy. So I'm like, if anyone can find information. So I started digging. I'm like, there's nothing. Like there's nothing there's there, there, for athletic women. There's many things like I have written for Oprah magazine and for like all those magazines, plenty of information. And a lot of it is you should exercise. I'm like, well, no kidding. <laughs> I'm already there. You know, you should like, it, it's telling you the lifestyle adv- advice that is geared toward most people, most women in our culture, mm-hmm. but most of them aren't doing what we do. Right. Right. So there was, I could find next to nothing except like the chapter that I had written with Stacy on menopause. And, uh, you know, there was, it's interesting because another group of women had started like an online book group based on roar, that book that I wrote with Stacy. And they started this hashtag called forgotten athletes because there was only one chapter for menopause and there wasn't enough information. And I looked at that and I was like, they're right. You know, and that's when we started, I'm like, we have to do a follow-up book. Penguin, our publisher, was all about it because there's a lot of women in this space and no one is talking to them. Yeah. So it it has become, honestly, I feel like my life work now. 
Yes, that is fascinating to me. And I was just saying to you before we came on air that I, you know, I've been in the endurance space for 15 plus years, been a triathlete, more than 15 years, always been athletic, um, consider myself to be well-educated, but I know nothing. I'm for, soon to be 41 and I know nothing mm-hmm. about menopause. Nothing. Apart from, no. apart from the fact that I might get some hot flashes and that's about, that's about all I could tell you, you know? So when I started that's... searching for this podcast, I was like, oh, oh wow, here we go. Like this, this is, this is the meat here, right? This is, I don't know anything. As somebody who reads, writes, talks about triathlon all day, every day, and has been in the space all this time, I don't know anything. So there you go. Like that's, I've been writing about women's health for 25 years. Right. And I knew, like like you, I knew like the classic symptoms that you hear about, but knew nothing about, like it really made me, it made me angry that we know so little about this transition and what it means. Like men know all like low testosterone, they talk about it all the time, but like estrogen, yeah. <laughs> estrogen is a big deal. Yeah. You know, it it is it helps with our muscle growth. It helps with mitochondria function, inflammation, managing blood sugar, appetite, moods, stress. I could go on and on. And when that and progesterone start fluctuating and then tanking, mm-hmm. it takes everything with it. And who knew that? Like, and if I hadn't been writing this book, I sure wouldn't know it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, as somebody who, as a, as a woman in her early 40s or something, you know, might have listeners who are in their mid 40s, uh, late 40s. What are some of the things that you should be aware of or look out for uh, in, in that transition or, you know, in those early stages that, you know, I, 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 wouldn't yeah. know anything, I wouldn't know anything about, you know, I might be out running and feel off, but I could just put it down to not having. It could be. Anything. Yeah, it could be so many things. Right. It is. It is. You know, and now like I have, I have the benefit of hindsight, right? Like um, I definitely started having uh, night sweats in my mid forties, you know, like I would wake up, but as a, again, as a stage racer, like when you go hard, like a lot of times I would furnace at night, you know, like your, your body just does that thing, but it became more frequent and more severe. So I was like, that's probably hormonal fluctuations. And my sleep definitely got off, but my performance pretty much remained the same. And it might be because I was doing all the training and we can talk about that later. That actually is beneficial to sort of mitigating a lot of this hormonal decline, you know, but I would say that, that things that things that women can kind of look on the horizon for as early signs that they might not attribute to hormone kind of changes. Um, anxiety is a big one. Hmm. Like if you start having like, cause Estrogen helps sort of keep your cortisol and your 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 anxiety, your stress levels in check. Yep. And when that goes, you 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 get like a lot like a lot of women sort of talk about like this just free floating anxiety, which a lot of women have anyway. But if your anxiety gets a lot worse, yep. you know, mood swings, depression, stuff that you could associate with hormones during your menstrual years, you know, like like a PMS kind of thing, yep. but becomes more constant. You know, and obviously there's the obvious signs. Your periods are like getting weirder. They can get really heavy. They can get more sporadic. Um, And then, you know, just the, I also found one of the early things that I didn't peg to it, but I bet was I started having trouble with thermoregulation. Like I would get, I would be on a ride Mm -hmm. and I would just start feeling like I was just like, I couldn't keep my body from getting super hot. And that, you know, that is another, 
another sign. And, and I just started doing a lot of uh, hyper hydrating. You know, they have all these great products now and Stacy has helped develop a bunch of them. Like the, the prime products that you can use to sort of get your blood plasma up and maybe keep yourself a little cooler. You know, so there's lots of stuff that you could do. And I was sort of was stumbling my way through, but man, if you know this going into it, like you can start helping yourself before you're just in this hole going, what is going on? Yeah, right. You can get in front of a lot of those things and help me yeah. them versus be on the back foot and not know what they are. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of the things, I mean, one of the things that you had asked me sort of earlier is, uh, you know, like mistakes that, that women make and it's super easy to make. If you start, because there is, as you lose these, these hormonal drivers that help you keep muscle and help you process uh, insulin and blood, blood glucose and everything. When they start going, that's why your body starts storing that fat. Like a lot of women are like, where did I get this belly from? I've never had belly fat. Like I've never had this, right? Well, that's just your, a couple of things are going on. One, you just, your body is in that stress state. So it's starting to store more fat. Your insulin is off and your, your estrogen that is left tends is the kind that that encourages fat storage so you have that so you're gaining the little fat you're losing some muscle you're feeling kind of off and the first thing everybody wants to do is be like i'm going to eat less and i'm going to go for a longer ride and that's like that's a really bad thing to do because it just stresses your body out more and it it can set you up into this really vicious cycle that uh really does tank performance it's really not it's not beneficial for performance yeah i mean there's very little there's very few occasions where eating less and riding longer anybody any any good i know um so often that's the first thing you hear i hear people say it all the time i've got to go i've got to hit it harder i'm like maybe that's not actually what you need to do right so what what should you do what are the kind of nutritional um what are things to look? You know, what are things to look to tweak, maybe, or adapt right. to help you with, with riding? You know, if you're out lot, you know, doing a longer ride or right. running longer or whatever, what are the, some of those things? Or even if you're not doing any, you know, any huge sessions, but you just try and right. manage your diet and hydration and those things. Well, well, one of the things, the main thing that you need to do when you're going through this transition, and this is a, something that you know we, we talk about in the podcast and that will be in the book for sure, is that you have to eat and train and tweak your behaviors in a way that help pick up the slack and the work that your hormones used to do. Right. Right. So yeah. your hormones used to help you recover, your hormones used to help your muscles, all this stuff. So a lot of it, um, and I know you had Joe Friel on, and he talks about it even with men, like you need that high intensity. Like you don't, especially at this age, if you've been in this sport a long time, you don't need all that volume, yes. right? Like taking that volume down, because the volume adds a lot of inflammation. It adds a lot of cortisol. It's There's a real big point of diminishing returns at some point. I'm not saying don't do your long rides, but like it, it, tweaking the training to really emphasize the sharp things. Yeah. You really give your body the stimulation that your estrogen used to do, that your hormones used to do. So you're trying to just generate that same stimulation. And that comes through like sprint interval training even, not even just like the VO2 max interval levels, like the five minutes, take it down to Tabatas. You know, that's actually really better for women in this age uh, category and and who are going through this transition. 
And uh, the same thing with lifting, you know, get out of that bodybuilder kind of lifting. I think we're finally there. And I want to I want to actually give a little nod to CrossFit for dragging a bunch of us into that Mm -hmm. because forever and ever it's like, oh, I'm going to do five sets of 20 reps or three sets of 15. And when you when they did when if you could get an endurance athlete in the gym. Mm -hmm. But really what you want is that neuromuscular stimulation. Yes. You don't want hypertrophy. And everyone's lifting for like. When you're in that 10 to 12 range, I mean, you are sort of into that hypertrophy range as opposed to like the five reps of five sets or even like three, then you're just getting a really powerful stimulus that wakes up your muscle fibers. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the power and the neuromuscular connections. And you do that by lifting heavier, you know, and obviously not right out of the gate. You should work, you know, if you've never been in the gym, you need to like get good form and I, I need to pave out those caveats, but, um, but it but it is like you'll get so much more out of it and you'll feel great as opposed to like coming back and feeling trashed. You feel like on, you know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're lifting right, you really feel a difference oh, on, in endurance that is really beneficial. Yes, I completely agree. Coming back from a five hour ride versus coming home from the gym where you've done five sets of three heavy deadlifts. Yes. Yeah, where you're just like, whoa, I feel amazing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've always joked. Uh, yeah, I, I probably, probably five or six years ago, I first started lifting heavy when I was still racing full time. And I joked yeah. that you don't need that, but that's just like the best. It is the best. And then, like you said, like those days, I would call them magic. Like it just feels magical. Like you get this energy that is incredible. Yeah. And you don't feel beat down. Right. You just feel really strong. It's the closest I've felt to a, like a runner's high where, you know, you have to run. I have to run a long way to get a runner's high now. Right. <laughs> you can, I can shortcut doing a two hour run and just go lift heavy. You know, like I could deadlift I don't know, 200 pounds, 180 pounds, whatever, and come home from the gym yeah. and feel amazing. So I think amazing. that's something that but women of that age, you know, women my age, older, might be afraid to do. Um, but I think that's something that is important. Why do you think they're afraid to do it? Would they be afraid to do it? Do you, Why do you think well, they're afraid? My preconception or pre- preconceived notion there would be that pe- women are worried about gaining muscle mass. But they're going to gain it the other way. Right. The kind of lifting, that's what I try to bring home, is that when you lift more reps, that's what tears your fibers. Yeah. Like you, you gain muscle bulk. Let's just call it bulk. Cause everyone worries about bulk, yeah. right? You're mu- like, that happens when you break down your muscle fibers, you get all those tears and that happens more through that. I'm going to lift three sets of 10 to yeah. 15 than it does when you're talking, like just j- getting all your muscles to work on, yeah. on cue, yeah. you know, like that's, that's a way different thing. And then you have all those muscle fibers at your disposal. Yeah. You know, but they're but they're it's not bigger muscle, it's stronger muscle. And there, there's a huge difference to that. And I think we're finally get that must that message is finally breaking through to someone, but I agree, like women have tended to really shy away from that. And it I will take a hundred percent blame and I'm sorry. Like I was part of that problem for years because you know, it's a all fitness is an evolution and I wrote those articles yeah, fifteen years ago. That you, you know, you know the, thing, the work that you and Stacy and the research that you and Stacy St- Sims are doing now, you know, Stacy's a huge advocate of lifting as she's lifting heavy shit. And yep, um, huge. you know, and I think that's that message is getting out there. And I think when people now yeah. I think when more and more women feel the benefits of that, then then for sure that will, you know, that will keep keep growing and growing and growing. But um, And you need it like especially if you're if you're an endurance athlete, a lot of people think that, you know, running is enough for bone and it's not. Right. 
Uh, and anyone who's gotten stress fractures should know that. Right. <laughs> like running is is it's it's better obviously than sitting, and it's it's you know probably better than in like road cycling. But the multi-directional stress that you put on your muscles from you know heavy lifting and that that's a really stronger stimulus. And I'm a, also a giant fan of plyometrics. Yeah. Um, you know, box jumps, that kind of thing doesn't take much. All of this. That's the beauty of this too. It's like it's strong medicine, so you don't need a whole lot of it. Yeah. But it it you know you lose that snap, you lose those connections that give you that power, and it, it, you want that power, you want that reserve especially if you're doing something like Ironman, yeah. especially if you're going long. It's really important. Yeah, so there's, I'm sure then there's a case to be made for women who are maybe training for Ironman, uh, for them to focus, you know, have, have more of a focus on working in the gym or, or an increased focus on working in the gym than they would have done maybe in their 30s or, you know. Yes. Um, you know, there's, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, go on. There's really good research too, in, in case you're, and I, and I feel this really hard. Like, it's very hard to go, okay, I'm going to maybe cut one of my long sessions out and going to spend that time in the gym. That's a very hard switch mm-hmm. to make. I understand that yeah. as an endurance athlete. But there's really good research that shows that when endurance athletes, and this is even like world pro cyclists, mm-hmm. you know, cut some of that volume out and spend that time in the gym they get gains, you know, they make gains because they become more efficient because you, because again, you're putting all this muscle at your disposal and it's working better together and you're more fatigue resistant and you're more injury resistant. I mean, there's huge benefits to be had. Everybody likes to pile on the volume, you know, we like, but it's, you, you'll get, you'll be so much fresher and you'll be so much better off to take that volume down a notch and, and replace some of that, especially um, you know, not in, in the heat of race season, especially when you're just in preparation. Yeah. This time of year, especially. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, feels, yeah. Like, that feels like a very smart, um, adjustment to make, you know, for, for your age, for your gender, for your, for what you're doing. Um, and it's time efficient. Oh, like yeah. a lot of women in this, you know, you have kids, you have this, you have that, like it, it, time is of the essence and it's really, it's a very good use of your time. Right. Yeah. Are there any other ways that you would um, advise mitigating some of the some of the effects um, of menopause? You know, mm-hmm. around your. I, I have a yeah, I have a couple. Uh, you know, you had asked about nutrition, and I think that's really important too. Mm-hmm. Um, women, what, when when the hormones start to fluctuate and decline, you become more carbohydrate sensitive. You know, so like the the insulin it doesn't respond quite as well, and it it can like lead to some of that fat storage. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say people shouldn't eat carbs because you definitely need to eat carbs. Timing them can help. You know, timing your carbohydrates around your training so you're properly fueled. Choosing carbs that are, you know, like really limiting the gels, the gummy bears, all the stuff that we like during, like keep that during, you know, like limit your simple sugars and your refined carbs to when you really, really need them. And like really trying to eat, you know, your fruits, your vegetables, your grain, like stuff that is the whole foods, get your carbohydrates through there because it's just, it's better for you. It's better for your gut microbiome, which also gets a little funky with the hormone decline. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just better for you overall. And Everyone will tell you, get protein every single meal and every single snack. You should be getting 30 grams, 25 to 30 grams of carbohydrate or, or protein, sorry, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
That makes a big difference. Right. And when you're done, it's more important. Women's recovery windows are shorter, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate, but true. So if you can get that protein snack in, like if you've had a hard session, if you've had something long, within 30 minutes, if you can grab that window, it does actually help. And because it brings down, it gets you out of that catabolic state. Women go into a catabolic state a little faster, gets you out of that, helps with resynthesis of your muscles a little quicker. Uh, so, I mean, it's all this, like some of it is stuff that you've heard a long time. It becomes more important. Yes. But also then just like adding another layer onto that and really making sure that you are getting that protein because you've lost some of your muscle building stimulus when you've lost some of your hormones. So it's just really important to pay attention to that. Yeah. So so that recovery window is in the 20 to 30, for women, it is in the 20. For women, it's pretty, okay. it's it's shorter than it is for men, yeah. sadly. Yeah. Um, and not eating sleep becomes an issue. So uh, one of the things that Stacy had, you know, she she did some experiments with a whoop strap on herself while she was doing her research. And, you know, I've been experimenting similarly with an aura ring and not eating like certainly like if you're hungry, a little yogurt or something or having a little something before bed. But like not having your meal within two hours of sleep, it seems to be very helpful for women as well, because it helps them get into the rest, you know, their parasympathetic parasympathetic system mm -hmm is better if it's not, if you're not working on digesting. And it, since sleep is so much harder when your hormones are fluctuating and declining, you need to try to pay attention to all of that advice you've heard a million times, like wind down, you know, don't have a lot of alcohol before bed, don't have a lot of food before bed, you know, and really just pay attention because sleep and recovery become super important. Yeah. 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 So, so leaving more than two hours between um, evening meal and going to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can tell you, I've experimented with that a little bit and I, I can feel that difference for sure. It's amazing. Yeah. And if, you, if you've ever tracked it, like you can see it. Like that's the kind of cool thing with like the, the little devices. Like, you know, I mean, you can see like what, what, what your sleep stages were and like from one night to the next and what you did. So it's kind of, it's really interesting. Yeah, there is so it much data. Help keep you in line. There's so much data out yeah. there now. You can kind of geek out on so much if you want. Yeah. What What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see women or you hear women making as they um, as they progress through or process through the, these these transition phases? What are some of the pitfalls yeah, you, you know, see people really getting hit by? Well, like I said, like a, one of the things they they tend to do is is they start dieting, you know, right. like because of the weight issue. So uh, trying not to fall prey. I just wrote this whole giant chapter on intermittent fasting. Um, I was actually doing that before we got, and it's fascinating. And this is, this is part of like why we wrote Roar. And, and this is Stacy's life work yes. is that when you look at, you know, a lot of women are, and I see it on the, you know, we have a menopause, a feisty menopause page on Facebook that, it's amazing. I'll talk about that later. Like all these women, it's a, it's a private group and I can't, we have thousands of women and like all the stuff they're talking about is really eye opening. But like one of the things I keep hearing is they're all sort of grabbing at things to, to take care of this weight. Like the weight is, is something that really, and you know, of course women are worried about that always, but um, you know, intermittent fasting and keto and all that stuff that, that is in the air right now, mm -hmm. that what's really interesting, Emma Kate, is that, when you look at the intermittent fasting research that a lot of this advice is based on, it was it's been done on men, yes, primarily, and they did when they did a study, 
more recently that included men and women and not exercising. It's usually all done on just your regular population. So they're not metabolically really healthy. Um, you know, they're, that's why they're doing this research on them to see if we can like fix some of these problems. Um, the men do remarkably well, like their blood lipids get better. Their, their glucose gets better. Their insulin gets better. Their brain function gets better. I mean, I was just reading, I'm like, I'm like no wonder people think this is amazing. Yes. But then they look at women and it's not amazing. Like if they, like the women that were pre-diabetic actually sometimes flip over into like the danger zone because we have like these survival mechanisms. We don't work the same way. So like when we, we're not eating, all of a sudden our stress goes up and the storage goes in and it has the, it almost has the exact opposite effect. And when you add exercise to that, and that's what a lot of women are doing. So they, they do the intermittent fasting and then they exercise in the fasted states and do all that stuff that like guys do and it works wonderfully for yeah. them. It, it has a really, it, 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 it exacerbates all those negative things. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, her her work is so important because otherwise nobody would have any idea you know because all this stuff on men you cannot just translate it to an active women audience it does not translate yeah I've had a, quite a few fascinating conversations with Stacey about this and she I remember her explaining to me because I kind of got myself into a bit of a hole with intermittent fasting years back mm-hmm. years back you know when you me too she's like what are you doing I'm like I don't know she's like you should know better I'm like I know <laughs> sometimes that's the funny thing sometimes like what you know and then you know what you rationally you know what you go and do to I was totally low carbing I was low carbing myself into like yeah. a coma yeah yeah. But uh, she was explaining to me how, you know, couples can often go and uh, follow the same IF program. And it is the most, for the woman, it is the most frustrating thing because you, all you do is you see your husband or partner just getting more and more ripped, more and more lean. And you're there just being like, oh, um, well, I'm a half a pound lighter and I'm miserable and I'm stressed. Right. And I'm so angry. Right. <laughs> and so was, depressed. <laughs> yeah. And so it was really fascinating to me to, and then that kind of switched on, that illuminated for me, just like those differences that we don't hear about unless you go, you know, unless you're familiar with Stacey's work, unless you're familiar with your work, unless you go and seek out this information, you're never going to find it in the mainstream, uh, well, Hopefully we'll change that eventually, but you know, it's not- yeah, we're working on right. it, but you don't. And it, it's this low carb is, is a similar thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was just like, Oh, okay. And you know, I, it's interesting separately. I was talking to a, a neuroscientist and he's like, we are putting a lot of young distant runner women on antidepressants because they're low carbing themselves into the situation. You know, like it, it does not work the same way. And they're, they're chronically depressed now. And what they really need is some carbohydrates. Yeah. They don't need an SSRI. Right. They need some carbohydrates. Yeah. yeah. It's that's gonna that could take years, I think, to undo some of that. But it's like the low fat thing, right? Like we keep doing this. Like, and what what I find particularly frustrating is that we all we all are like, oh, look, low, low fat, that was so dumb. And now we're doing the same thing with low carb. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what have we learned? What have we actually learned? Yeah. <laughs> like nothing, like, like there's no one magical macronutrient or no one that's just horrible, right? Like the, they all, yeah. they're all part right. of food and we need friends. food. Yeah. We should be friends with them all. <laughs> yes, definitely. Look into the future then. So we, we know kind of current state and we know what that looks like and we know how we'd like to change that. Um, how mm-hmm. do you think the conversation will change in the future? Where do you see... How, how much easier do you think it will be? 
for menopausal women to to stay in sport to to stay healthy to you know, mm-hmm. to keep, because we see the number of women, you know, taking part in endurance sports. You know, we were talking about gravel earlier, but endurance sports generally, women of this age group, are, you know, everybody's coming in. Everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants to stay fit. It's great. It's it's so much fun. It's great. Um, this decade has seen huge. I mean, the numbers have been enormous just from like 2010, you know, through the first half of this decade, particularly, you know, I, I like, I know Ironman, like at a doubling, more than a doubling, distance running, swimming. I mean, to answer your question, I think the great thing is, is we're here. Like there's an army of women like who've never been there in this space before. You did not see this many 40, 50, 60 year old women competing, you know, recreationally like that. That's a that's a very new experience. And once we all start connecting and talking to each other, we can rule the world. I mean, I really believe that like it's. It's we have been and that's why it's funny. I mean, I'll be completely honest. Like when I agreed to do the podcast, I was like, this is amazing. Blah, blah. And the night, literally the night before, I just started having panic attacks. I was like, do I want to admit to the world that I'm menopausal? Like like all those messages yeah. that, that the world gives you that you're old and that you're obs- like all that stuff. I'm like, I, I had this really strong urge to turn away from it. Mm. And I was like, that's just dumb. <laughs> you know, I was like, Celine, like you have this voice, you have this platform that they're willing to give you. I, I, I'm, I have built a perfect, you know, amount of resources to step into this space and really shine light and, and bring everyone together and talk. And like, we need to be seen and heard. And that's super important. And if nobody talks, that doesn't happen. Right. Nobody. That does not happen. Yeah. So I was just like, it's really important. And I, I am humbled and overwhelmed by the response. Like I, 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 I will start crying if, oh. I, if I start talking about the emails that I've gotten mm-hmm. from women yeah. and just thanking me for saying the word menopause, right. just thanking me for creating a space where they're like, wow, there are people just like me and they're all going through this. And like the sharing and all this stuff, I'm like, this is amazing. This is like, and it's so simple. I mean, it's not that hard, <laughs> you know, like yeah. but there's not, when I started looking at the, for the podcast space, I'm like, oh, somebody must be. And I'm like, nobody. I mean, there's other menopause podcasts. Don't get me wrong, but very few ta- it, like for people like yeah. us, you know, again, it's, it tends to be just for the general population, which is great. I'm not saying that's not great, but it leaves, it leaves us out in the cold because yeah. we are already exercising and doing all this stuff. We want, we're performance oriented and yeah. that's a whole different thing. Yeah. If you've been performing, if you've been training and racing at any kind of level, you know, um, regardless of the level you get any kind any of, kind level, of yeah, whether it's been pro age group, recreationally, whatever, you know, you start to know your body inside out. And so it doesn't matter if you, if, if, if you're just going for a walk or a run for a mile or two, then it's very different to somebody who is used to training for 10 hours or whatever, you know, a week. Yeah. You get to know your yeah. body every, I, I know I get out of, out of bed every morning and I do like a scan. If, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that happens involuntarily because I'm just in tune yeah. with my body because I've used my body, you know, for the, the last. I know exactly what you mean. So yeah, when, when things start to change, I know about it. Um, so yeah. women, and, and there's a lot of women who are exactly the same. And I think not being, and they're almost afraid to say, I have close friends who are going through the menopause and they train, and but they've been afraid to even admit to other friends, like, oh, 
this is yes. happening. Why is it happening to me? A hundred percent. Well, and again, especially in the competitive space, and that that's one of the things that I talk about in the podcast is that, you know, like you don't want to talk about getting older or slower, right? right? Like that yeah. that's, those are two things like that yeah. are not, and it was, it was really, it meant, it meant so much to me. Like I, the first person I wanted to have on was Rebecca Rush, you know, because we are the same age. She's still out there. I, we've raced together. Um, we had never talked about any of it. I'm like, she must be menopause. You know, in my mind, I'm like, I know her age. Um, but I, I was fully prepared for her to say no, because she is still a professional athlete, right. you know, and I, I was fully prepared for her to not want to walk into that space. And I would not have felt any differently about her. if She said, right. did say no. And she said, yeah, she's like, that's a great idea. And she's like, I've never even said the word menopause. And then she like talked to her coach and he's like, when did you go through menopause? <laughs> and she's like, well, I think it was. And they went through her power files and they got all this data. And I was like, this is phenomenal. This is, this is what we should be talking yeah. about. And I was so grateful that she came on because it's when, it's when people like that, it's when people just start, like I have Magda on coming up, Magda Belay, you know, like she's ultra runner. Yeah. Like that, it's those kind of conversations. She she's was awesome. She's like, yeah. She's like, I keep blowing the thermoregulation thing. I dress too much, and then I'm taking all the clothes <laughs> off. But it's like that kind of it's real yeah. talk that makes women feel welcome and normal, and and that's what's going to really change. Yes, things. it's the same thing we did with periods. Yeah. Now it's no big yep. deal, right? People talking about your period is yep. no big deal. Trying to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if athletes of that stature, athletes of that status, athletes of that experience, you know, I'm not. I can understand why they would might say no, but on the same by the same on the flip side of that, I can understand why they would say yes, right? Because they they know that in their position, they can Mm -hmm. totally open up the conversation or help open up the conversation and spread information. You know, spread information, um, help make sure that even if it just helps one other woman. Um, navigate oh. her way through menopause and keep training and stay competitive and do all the things she keep, you know, wants to keep doing, then, you know, there you go. You've, you've helped, you know, I'm sure like the emails you receive, you've, you've helped somebody, you've made a difference. You've, you've had a, you've had an impact. So you know, I think- totally. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had so many women say like they, they felt alone, you know, that, that comes up a lot. I feel alone. I feel confused. I don't like know what's, they feel like they should just stop. And I'm just like, you don't have to stop just because your periods do. Like I say that all the like to everybody. And um, and it, it's it's it really it just uh, it does not take that much. It really just takes like being seen and yes. heard. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're doing with your podcast. So tell us a little bit about um, your podcast. I, I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, it's called Hit Play, Not yep. Pause. And I have to give. I have to give my husband that credit for that. I, you know, it's crazy because like we were all live feisty is the, um, the media company that, that hosts it and they have girls gone gravel and iron yep. women, you know, they have, they have a bunch of podcasts and they were all psyched about it, but we could not come up with a name. Like, it's just like, I just Sometimes don't that's know. Hard it's just a, <laughs> it is hard. And menopause is like a drag of a word. It's not a fun yep. word, right? Like there's, you know, so I'm like, what? So I'm like just riffing on like a Sunday morning. I'm like cooking bacon. I'm like, what should we call this? It's going to be, you know, and uh, I can't remember the first thing. He said meno play. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, it's a safe space. Keep throwing stuff out. But I don't like that. <laughs> and, and, then he was, and then he was like, play, not pause. And he's like, how about hit play, not pause? I'm like, oh, now yeah. we're talking. 
Like that's fun, right? Like that, like that is a, that is, has everything I want. It's energetic. Yeah. It's so, you know, we, the first show was a live launch with Stacy, which was great. And then I have Ed Rebecca and I'm really just trying to have a nice mix of athletes and uh, doctors and experts in different fields. Like I had a pelvic floor specialist on, that's a big deal. Like I had a woman on and like, she's like, I finish a two hour run and I'm soaking wet because I've peed myself and that's oh, terrible. Wow. I'm like, yeah, well, because the integrity of the pelvic floor, you know, estrogen, you know, takes away some of that too. And a lot of women run into serious pelvic floor, like, like urge incontinence and all that kind of stuff becomes a problem. And there are things you can do, but again, if nobody talks about it, you wouldn't know. And there are, I've, I have since heard from a number of women who are like, I stopped running because I would just wet myself and it was terrible. You know, and that that's heartbreaking, yeah. you know, but especially if there's something you can do. So I had on this Chloe Murdoch. She was awesome. She's a bike fitter. She's a pelvic floor specialist. You know, like there's there's information out there and there's, there's help. So, yeah, I've been we're very new. You know, we've only had like 10, 11 episodes, but it's it's been the, the feedback has been so wonderful and it's growing really fast. So I'm just I'm very excited about it. If this is what I leave in my life, I will be fulfilled. I feel that's yeah. About that's it. fantastic. That's fantastic to hear. And you're launching a membership. Yeah, you're, you're launching a membership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, like I'd mentioned before, we had started this Facebook group. You know, just like a private group, just to like, you know, see who's out there and try to get a sense of who I'm talking to. And it's filled with these amazing women, like rock climbers and surfers and boxers, mm. and like it's they're rad Ooh. women, like really really rad i mean i i mean i I kind of expected it but i've been blown away from all from all over the world and i was like okay this is amazing and they want a lot of information and i'm like okay this i i can only you know i there's only so much that i can i'm still working on other jobs you know like i do need to keep a roof over my head so we're um you know we're like we're starting a membership we're starting a menopause membership and it's actually live it's going to be, you can enter it now, feistymenopause.com. And uh, we'll be kicking off in January. But the idea is to start this kind of community. You know, we'll have a theme for every month. You know, the first January will be body composition weight, like what's going on. So it'll be a community where we'll have um, fact sheets, information, you know, just cutting through all the noise and bringing you information for a performance oriented woman, a community where you can connect with people. And then we'll have like a live uh, broadcast with an expert, you know, that you can ask questions. And, you know, I foresee like in my mind, I'm like this community, we could have a summit and we could have like retreats and we could do all this stuff. Like there's so much, I think there's so much potential. I'm sort of buzzing with it, but yeah, they, they, Women, if they're interested, can go to feistymenopause.com and, you know, sign on to join. It's it's going to be, I think it's going to be a real force. I think it's be, just based off what I'm seeing in the communities that we've already sort of started to yes. grow. There's a lot of potential for just just women to connect and learn and grow. And because everyone, that's that's part of it, too, is like everyone's journey is like when you go through menopause, you might have a whole different yeah. experience, right? Like I didn't really have a lot of the terrible mood swings I had some anxiety, but there's some people who get crushing migraines. There's some people who get, you know, like it's, it just depends how your hormones swing and what mm-hmm. they do to you. So having this kind of community with all, like I can pull all these experts and answer these questions and have these resources in one place for performance minded women, I think is really 
powerful. Yeah. I think this really. Yeah, it feels like there is momentum, and it's you know, and it's growing fast. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's yeah, and we can lead the yeah. charge. You know, I'm. When can you do that in life? Right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We That's will uh, we'll put all those links in the show notes so that people can find them easily if they're listening or find out more. But um, that for sure sounds like a very valuable and uh, worthwhile and helpful project, I'm sure, for like a, a lot of people or a lot of women are going to – well, not, no, not just women. I think there's also a big claim to be made for, you know, coaches. Um, yes, we have yeah. a lot of men. I have a lot of men listening yeah. to the podcast. It's kind yeah. of exciting, which is kind of funny, can I tell you, because I'm like – Especially we had one that was called Happy Vaginas. I don't know how many how many men listened to that one. But I was like, especially like dudes I ride with. I'm like, I don't know if I want you listening to this one. Because <laughs> I'm talking about personal stuff. <laughs> like, maybe I'll just send you the notes. It's that about you... <laughs> time. It's about time. Come on. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, Celine, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I've learned a lot in just the last hour. So um, I'm looking forward to helping spread the word and uh, we really do value your expertise and your time. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was a really great time. Thank you, Selene, for joining us and thank you for listening. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Triathlete Podcast wherever you're listening to this. And while you're there, please rate and review us. It helps us out and it helps others like you to find us. We'll be back in early January with our next show. But until then, happy holidays and happy training.